You are listening to What Do You Know, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com 1830podcastnetwork for more information. And now, what do you know? You know, it's hard, you know, when you have these personal things that you understand, it's hard to make it clear or think it might be clear to anybody else that didn't experience it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, uh, but this is why, I don't mean to say it like this, but that's not an excuse not to share it. So we're going to share it. I'm talking with Jerry Adams uh, on our podcast today. She's got some testimonies in her life she wants to share with us. And I've asked her uh, when she told me, I said, we, we've got to put this down on a podcast. This is too important not to uh, share with the body. And so it took a little bit of coaxing and a little bit of uh, coaching to get her here, but she's willing to to share her testimony and i think we're all going to be blessed because of it so i'm talking to jerry today so you can say hi hi <laughs> yeah. hi everybody and we're getting used to this podcast thing some some of the ladies are stepped up and and now and now you've uh, you've heard some of the other uh podcasts that have yes. been out there yes. so mm-hmm. it's hard to talk about like you just said but it's also an uh, an avenue to be casual it's not a, a church service it's more like over dinner, right? So that's what I want the conversation to be. It's just over dinner type of conversation where you've got a, a testimony you're excited to share with everybody. And it's a conversation that we're having, but we're going to share it with everybody. And I'm going to try to ask you questions to to learn a bit more about you and, and, and your life and how, how things started f- for you. So if you could... Can you bring us back to the the beginning? When what what yours your earliest memories of the Temple Lot local the church? And well, what made you join the Church of Christ? Well, I I attended there as a young, as a young child. Uh, my family moved here when I was five years old. My parents divorced at that time, and um, my mother brought us to the Temple Lot Church. That was uh, like in 1945. My mother and uh, father and my grandfather Long and my grandmother Long all left the church uh, in the early 30s after they rejected the help me out here the oh there was the a lot fetting, of, the fetting messages were yeah. w- one of the things that time period was a lot of um, uh, earthquakes I guess in the church a lot of um, upsetting a lot of people leaving and, and coming still yes. too yes my grandfather long was called in one of those that one of those messages and so when they said it wasn't true he thought maybe his calling then as apostle in one of the messages wasn't true. I think there were three men called in one of those messages as apostles. But I don't know anything about that. I'll leave that up to God. It's all history, but um, it did have a big impact on my family. And um, that was happened all way before I was born. 
it took us to a, a church that was a split off from the temple lot down to Shell City. And uh, that's where, uh, even though we lived up here, we went down there on many Sundays to go to church. When we didn't go to church down there, we would go to the temple lot church. And so I knew a lot of the people at the temple lot. You, so you're attending, when when were you baptized, though? You weren't baptized into that other church. Yes, I was. I was oh. nine years old. I was baptized down there at Shell City. Oh, okay. And then that what caused you to leave that Shell City church? Well, um, when I was about 12 years old, they started bringing other things into the church. Uh, one of the young men had attended college, I think, out in Colorado, and he was saying some things that my family certainly didn't believe in, and so we stopped going there. So, you know, the other choice had always been the temple lot, and so that's where we uh, attended more seriously. So you started attending the temple lot. Uh, this was uh, what time period, around 1960s? Um, actually, is in the in the fifties. Okay, and then the point I wanted to get what I, was that you you ended up maybe you started attending in the fifties, but by the sixties you left the the temple lot again. The temple lot in the well, East local. not not. Uh, I mean, none of us were members, but um, uh, I I got married in fifty eight, and I moved to Ohio. And uh, my oldest son was born up there. And um, so we came back only, well, it was just about two years after that. And um, we attended somewhat there, but it was um, not, well, they were having big struggles there at the Temple Lot Church. And they finally split in the 60s. That's and what became I was two to get churches. You to say. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 um, so fill it in. I'll paraphrase it my way. Um, you at the very beginning, your family had struggles with the church, what with the Church of Christ Temple Lot, and and its beliefs and its structure, and then it caused caused a split. Then you and, and your youth, you end up attending another church until you see there's obvious uh, errors there. So you you kind of pseudo attend you're not baptized but you're attending church at the temple lot you leave for a little while and you come back and now the temple lot is going through again uh we'll call it uh, uh an atmosphere that was uh divisive until it actually divided and so so here you are again you're left with this atmosphere or or and that wasn't uh that was another you didn't attend that either so so you you left to attend another church on blue springs i think you said Yes, we were living in Blue Springs, and we attended the Christian Church, which is uh, the Disciples of Christ. And um, actually, Gary was baptized in that church, and so was my oldest son, Scott. So we attended there until it uh, would be in the late 60s or early 70s when this pastor of this Christian church, which is now, I'm, we're in Lee Summit, by the way, and uh, we had moved there, and so we attended the one on 4th and Douglas, the Christian church there. Mm -hmm. 
and um, the pastor there asked Gary and I if we would uh, uh, go along with other couples and and provide assistance to these seventh and eighth grade kids and we said oh we're not qualified to do anything like that and he said oh you will only be one of many couples so we agreed to come and help out but as it turned out we were the only ones that showed up and uh, we both felt very uncomfortable uh, trying to (laughs) answer questions and you know we couldn't have just a social every Sunday so anyways it uh, stirred me and I guess spiritually I started thinking about some things but uh, it was during that time that I I heard a voice in my head that told me that I was a hypocrite because I said I believed in the Book of Mormon but I had never read it so I I read it cover to cover and I prayed about it whether it was true or not but I realized that it was true so I realized I really didn't need to keep praying about it because I knew that while I was reading the Book of Mormon that it was having an effect upon me and it was changing me. That's the part that I, I'm, I like that you are in a position of, of sort of counseling others and that's when when the voice counseled you and, and to what, how, what position are you to tell other people's about me, if you or yourself are acting, and as it says, as a hypocrite, right? And I think how, how, godlike, right? How what a perfect message at the perfect time to someone, and and how effective would that be? That would that would shake me up yeah. if I was in that situation. It's like the and I'm supposed to have answers for other people. That's tough. That's hard to do, uh, and so. So, so part of this, I, I want to bring that out, and I'm not trying to to be hard on you. I'm trying to say that's okay. <laughs> this <laughs> this happened for a reason, and it yes, happened it did. to you. It did at the perfect time, and it caused you to to I don't know. So much of this, there's so much. Uh, if I was to say symbolism, but the in your story about where you've come from, where your family has come from, and why you kept leaving because of what was happening in the church and here you go somewhere else and you're brought back because of this this message so with that you end up coming back to the temple lot yes and when you came back this time i understand it it was for good yes uh i began thinking though that since i had been baptized at nine was that valid or do i need to make another or to do to make sure to be baptized. So um, I went to uh, Nicholas Denham and told him that I was thinking about baptism. At that time, they were not doing classes or any of that sort of thing. And he told me, well, come back when you are sure you want to be baptized. So I just prayed about it. And in 1976, March in 1976, I was baptized in the, the little font in the back of the old church. Mm-hmm. By Nicholas Denham. He's uh he's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites too. You so now now you are a member of this this uh, Temple Lot local that or, or Temple Lot Church. I want to say local, but the Church of Christ Temple Lot. Yes. Say that way. Yes. And 
were the struggles gone by then? Was there still, like, it wasn't until recently that the two churches joined. So that's kind of a leading question. I don't think all of it was all better now, but you were baptized into a church that still had an atmosphere. Well, I never, I didn't think about it a whole lot, actually. Um, I was uh, happy to be a member of the Church of Christ. I felt like I had listened to the Lord and had the answers to my prayers. And um, so I felt comfortable belonging to the Church of Christ. And whatever problems were dividing the church, uh, you know, I something I couldn't solve, so I didn't really concern myself mm-hmm. too much about it. And then take us forward to the late 70s, early 80s, and your family, um, the struggles you went through. Okay, well, um, we, my husband started a business, and um, it was a machine, machining facility, a factory. And, um, and uh, during the 70s, um, it, we struggled through that with uh, the Carter administration <laughs> and uh, some of the, the things that were going on. We finally had a recession, and uh, our business went down. So during that time, it, it was several years of struggle uh, financial, financially for us. And um, Gary's partner left, and, you know, it was basically him all alone. So, at any rate, we, we got through that, but it was difficult. But we still were going through a period of financial distress for several years after that. And during this time, we had moved into Lee Summit, sold our house, and we, we paid off debts and tried to pick up the pieces and go on with our lives. During this time of, uh, in the 80s, when we were having struggles, I uh, had an experience. I had a, a time of great remorse, and I went to the Lord with it, and I feel like this is when I really... Uh, received the knowledge of the Holy Ghost um, as it it overcame me and I I just had a marvelous experience and um, I felt like a true conversion and I walked in the spirit for many months and I just loved everybody and I just it changed me It, it brought me closer to him brought me more out of the world that happened so, right after we moved to Lee right. Summit, actually. I, I, I wanted to, on that point, and this this all is, flows together in, as one testimony, and, and that's what I'm trying to, to this will come, in, um, I'm going to make a, a bullet point here for those listening, is that this circumstance that Jerry uh, experienced, I think it plays into the end of this uh, podcast. Remember this point. When, when it was a struggle for her and her family, something happened and God was with her. And it, that, that aspect of being in the spirit in spite of the struggle that the rest of the world was experiencing, right? That aspect is important. I wanted to, and that, and you brought it up that this was an experience. This was, now you didn't hear a voice or anything like the last one, but you were in the spirit 
strongly for months at a time when the way I interpret this, by all indications, it should have been a time of struggle. It was actually, I felt like I was in a cocoon. Perfect. Okay, so now fast forward to, it was right after this, he made the change to in careers and you moved to California. Yes, it was, uh, well, it was actually two years after that. And you know, these every time I had these experiences, it was always at conference time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, even when we later moved, it was conference time. And uh, so that's been a significant marker for me in my life. And I, I don't know why the Lord has chosen that, but I've had a lot of things that changed for me in my life at conference time. So uh, Gary was uh, said, well, you know, uh, I'm, I think computers are a wave of the future, and I, that's what I think I need to start getting into. So he worked for a dealer here, and I got a real estate license and sold real estate. And we, um, two years later, you know, um, he was still struggling, trying to get paid with this dealer. So he came home and said, I need to make a connection. There's a, what did I call it, a trade show a trade show that i need to go to and make this connection with this computer company they have a software that is uh very interesting and i want to make a connection and see if i can get hired with them so he did he went to the trade show and met some people there with autodesk was the name of the company and they 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 were only three years old at that time and they made autocad which yeah, uh, from seven founders did this in their garage. Yeah, and they one of were, those stories. Auto, I know who Auto. I know what AutoCAD is. <laughs> they were very successful, so they hired Gary, and so we moved to California with him t- promising me that this would only be a temporary move for a few years until we could get back on our feet. So we did. We moved in. March, the end of March, first part of April, out to California, and I knew that I was going to a very dangerous area. I was thankful for the the change that the Lord had brought about in me, and uh, knew that I was going to have to be really careful in this kind of society. So, fast forward, um, Don McIndoe was uh, the minister in charge of my area, apostle of charge, I guess. He came to see us every six months, and we were in contact with him more than that. And uh, I think he sensed my feeling of wanting to be close to the church people, even though I, because I had this need of being separated from the church. And he told me that he thought that the going to the reunions would be helpful, so that's what I did. I started going to reunions, and this was in more ways than I ever expected to be a great, great blessing to me uh, because I had half-brothers and sisters in Colorado that I didn't even know. In fact, as we were moving out to California, um, we stopped in Grand Junction because I was cold, and at their mall there, and 
as I stopped, I I realized I had family there that I didn't even know, half-brothers and sisters. My father had already passed away. We went on. In, in that aspect, uh, my little sister Marlene, my little half-sister, was writing to my sister and I at this time, or beginning to write letters and correspondence. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just starting into a relationship and so when I first went to the first reunion in Colorado there was Glenda the oldest sister and she met me at the airport and our relationship just just blossomed and you know she wanted to get to know me so she went to church with me and um, it was after maybe two or three unions uh, she actually was baptized into our church but she was not well grounded and not well supported. In fact, she was uh, openly criticized a great deal by her family and uh, and others um, that she worked with that, about the Book of Mormon. And so she did not stay with it. But um, anyways, our our relationship became very close. I, I want to say, I was waiting for a time to interrupt. <laughs> there was never a good time. Uh, that that part of the story, I think, is a part of your story, is also important to, to relate that, that uh, here you are isolated, uh, and yet I know I met you before because we came through and we always visited you. My, my mom and dad would come, and I remember having pizza with you guys. Uh, just in the middle of the night, like eight at eight p.m., because we were in California, and that's where Jerry was. It was ten o'clock. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry's not a late a night owl, so that might. No, have been it's hard. okay. I think we had a. I think my mother was there, and you yeah. know, I think that was the first time you guys came. But right, so, but so, but there's times like this where I, I, point I'm trying to make is you were being supported as much as we could right and you were going out to the reunions as much as you could and uh and i don't want to but it takes support still uh as as grounded as as anyone is you still need the support of a local you still need the support of your christian brothers and sisters and your story with your sister how it was the criticism and the it can you can fall away and so um, this is another aspect of that. One and one way you mentioned it, you felt like you had a cocoon around you, and now here's an example where I, maybe there was not that support. And so, I just wanted to draw the contrast there. I, it's not as sad. It's, it's kind of sad, but I, I didn't want that to to go by without uh, making that point. Yeah, I remember that first time you came to see us, and you were a young boy at that time. And I believe my mother was there, if if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. I think um, the Pinder family was in town at that time. And I think we had 19 people mm-hmm. in my home uh, there in that little condo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it was yeah. And um, we had church because Bill was a priest, and he carried out a a sermon and and. Um, we had a a, me, a a church meeting, and um, I also want to say that um, one of the things that kept me um, in the loop as far as the church was Mike Kelly produced a lot of uh, he produced sermons. 
and he sent me every one so that I always had a, a sermon to listen to and to keep keep charged up in the Church of Christ. Right. The AVA, AVVAA committee, as it was, I know you have always been a strong supporter and, and help to that committee and have been on the committee to make sure that those went out because you benefited from them. You knew the, the benefit of them and, and you helped keep it going. With that, I think you also heard um, songs. There were songs that you were being uh, Oh, yeah. To. Debbie Vogel was very supportive. She was living in Phoenix at that time. And um, uh, she uh, would send me letters, and and she sent me the, uh, these songs. And uh, they were recorded, and they were from a friend of hers who had written these songs. So... You know, it's not like, you know, you could go out and buy these songs. And uh, that lady has passed away, but these song- songs are still special to me. And um, they came to be a great blessing to me later on in life when my husband got okay, sick. Okay. okay, you're giving it away. I didn't want to share that part yet, but you heard, but that's that's important. So now people well, know we, what's coming. We can go but back to that. We did after this. You 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 were there about seven years, and then you moved back to Missouri. Oh well, it was a uh, we bought a house back in Missouri. Okay, Gary was actually transferred to Washington D.C., where he had an office in California and an office in uh, Washington D.C. or in that area because he was in charge of all their federal sales and. Uh, my mother was failing quite a, quite a lot after seven years, and so we bought a house in Blue Springs, and that was another miracle um, because we weren't sure whether that was the right thing to do. But I, we both knew it when we saw the house and when we entered into it that this was our house, and it was a real blessing to us. So it was... Uh, total of 10 years actually before we all got back to Missouri and my mother uh, she passed away in um, 1997 so that brings up to 1997 you're back in Missouri and yet uh, in a couple years you're about to have uh, one of the worst years uh, I don't know a, a real struggle for your family um, take us through that. Okay, as I told you earlier, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, when there's a death in the family, it isn't just one. Sometimes, it seems oftentimes, it, it's more than one, and that was the case in our family. Uh, Gary's mother passed away in 1999 in June, and we lost our son that same month in June. And then shortly after that, we learned that Gary was very sick. He had a tumor, or a little, we didn't know it was a tumor at the time, but a a sore on his little finger, which he thought was from cleaning his cleats that he wore playing golf. I, I was golfing with him and Bob and my dad, and he would swing and he would let go of the the club and look at his hand and start rubbing his hand funny. and. I remember when you said it was in his fingers, I remember him complaining about something in his finger when we were golfing. Yes, 
uh, and he put up with that for a long time before uh, he did anything about it. I said, let's go to the doctor and see what that is. And he said, oh, it'll it'll be all right. And one day when he was out running an errand, he just stopped at the hospital, that old MCI that is gone now. And they did an x-rays and gave him a antibiotic and said if it didn't clear up in a couple of weeks that he should see a doctor which we did and um, the doctor made us realize that this was something more than we more than just a sore <laughs> and he wanted to do a biopsy which he did and um, it was during this biopsy uh, at MCI again he said um, that it would be two weeks before we would know for sure uh, the, res the results of the biopsy so I was waiting out in the hall um, and the doctor came out and he told me that it was cancer forget the two weeks and all that it's cancer and uh, he was positive. He said the source site is probably his lung, which it did turn out to be. I remember you were discussing that when you explained it to me, this is when those songs helped you through this this time when you, because it was about a year before uh, he ultimately passed. But during that oh yes, time it period. was when the doctor came out and told me that I went down to my van and I prayed, and I came back up and I was just pacing up and down the hall waiting for Gary to wake up and um, take him home. This song came to me. It's a chorus of one of the songs, and it goes like this: Because I come to Him in love, and trust Him in all things. He answers when I call his name. He shelters me with his wings. Well, the Holy Spirit just flooded over me when these, this song came to me that I knew so well. And it comforted me. It gave me peace. It, it like lifted me up. And it stayed with me during Gary's whole illness and afterwards. I couldn't have gotten through it. If it hadn't been for this experience, which stayed with me, and I remember uh, during his illness, you know, it, he made a choice of his, uh, what he wanted to do for treatment that I didn't agree with, but I had to go along with it, which uh, was very radical treatment, which resulted in actually him uh, losing his life probably sooner than he would have if he had chosen another way. But we had to do it his way. Mm -hmm. I can hear the the tremble, right? The 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 in your voice in the and it's it's not a, a pleasant memory, I'm sure. It's not a, a happiness, but at the same time you said I am I'm a crier, right? Yes. But you you said to me that yes, you don't I'm, think you cried. I'm a I'm an emotional person, <laughs> but during this whole time, through his illness and and after his death, his funeral, um, you know, I just felt held up by the Lord and, and by His Spirit, and I didn't I don't believe I ever shed a tear, 
and it certainly wasn't because I didn't I didn't love him because I, I truly did. He was the love of my life. But, you know, this spirit that gave me that song at the hospital, it stayed with me up until after he died and even after a while. And when people would try and console me, I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. Um, I, I didn't know how to even tell them how, what, what peace I had. Mm-hmm. But I truly did. I had the peace and the love of God with me to help me through all that. So I built this thesis, right, with these stories of yours that you've shared with me. I've, I've kind of tried to compile them, and it, and it, and it progresses through, through your life. You've had this help with you in your times of struggle. And you've had, uh, and I've even illustrated division in the church, Uh and so, and how that has affected you. And so with all these uh, um, supports that have been there for you that came from uh, people in the church, and yet all the, the struggles that have been there for you, uh, um, God has been there to, to overcome, to be that cocoon, to be that um, Holy Spirit comforter with you. And so with that in mind, we've built this, this case. Like he is there with you and he can shelter you and he can protect you. And the people of the church are there with you, and they have been uh, an influence uh, uh, for good in your life, even when the the church may have had uh, a division at times, or, or a division that you knew you couldn't do anything about it, but you were, uh, and I'm trying not to be too politically uh, charged with what I think is supposed to be happening, but the evidence is there, and I, and I built this thesis statement in, this, in these stories. And so now... Um, I wanted you to share with us, and this is the the whole gist of why we're doing this. But I also wanted to include the rest of your 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 testimonies because it it builds a foundation that God has used you or spoken to you and has comforted you in the past, uh, despite what was going on around you in the church and and your brothers and sisters in the church, and and despite the the world's. Uh, uh, attacks that it has thrown at you now let's fast forward to uh your trip with uh in march with uh with my mom okay karen's mother passed away a time after that she asked me if i would make a trip to arizona with her she needed to clean out uh, the park model and so we she had brought a lot of totes and we filled those up and uh, just on a side note of uh, Karen and I's relationship, uh, we're very close. We love each other a lot, but we're totally different <laughs> in our personalities. I'm a morning person. She's, she's a night person. I'm a breakfast person. She doesn't eat breakfast. And so on and so forth. And also, I like to keep uh, abreast of what's going on in the world. And she doesn't want to know anything. So I mean, basically, that's what she. Oh, I know she doesn't. She, says. she doesn't watch the news. And um, so, we. I didn't hear any news while I was on this trip, which was about a week that we were gone. And so, COVID was breaking. This is March 2020 when I when I got home. And so I thought, well, what's all this COVID stuff about? So. I don't listen to TV news, so I I listen mostly to Christian news. Couple places I like to go that seem to look at the news a little differently. Anyways, 
while I was home, and I I think it was probably the first week or maybe the second week. I'm not sure. I didn't track this down, but um, or write it down, but um, I didn't have anything on. But I was just, you know, doing my normal things, walking back and forth in my house, and I heard this voice. And this voice said to me, Come, my people, shut the doors behind thee. Wait a minute, let me start over. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers. Shut the doors behind thee and wait as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed for behold the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity and this is uh, I thought when I heard these words and they weren't all and one day, I heard them over a series of several days, sometimes a sentence at a time, but I heard them all. And I thought, you know, I think this is scripture. I need to look it up. And as I kept going on and on, I finally looked it up. And it's Isaiah 26, 20 and 21. However, that last part of 21, that verse, I did not hear those last two statements about the blood that it would not be covered anymore. Just now, um, we were writing this down, and we were, we were practicing, and you quoted it to me, and I didn't look it up, and we we wrote it down wrong, right? I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, and now when, it, when it's time for the podcast, she's not reading this off of the screen. She's This is in her head, and... and She's she's pulling these words out that I I wouldn't been able to quote all that but but I, I have no doubt that you have been affected by this these verses that were told to you when you were told these it was it sounds like a, uh, it was one at a time little bits at a time yes. over a, a few days and you were told one one section of it at a time yes and that's was true. it allowed or was it just in your head again it's in my head yeah. yes. But I knew it wasn't me telling myself this. I knew. When I knew and recognized it was Scripture, I knew the Lord was telling me this. And so in, in what my point is that in the past, it happened the same way how the Lord has spoken to you before. Um, yes, and when so he I told me I a, was a hypocrite, it was yeah. in my head. It was not an audible voice. I don't want you to feel that... And you've you've said this, and this was the hard part. It's like it's just Jerry. Why would anybody believe me? And I'm saying, don't do that because this is um, a testimony. And if it's uh, a, if it's God, if any one of us is asking for God to tell us, to show us, to be with us, to guide us, and we're not willing to be the voice when God asks us to be the voice, we cannot be critical of someone else who's having a hard time. You know, uh, trying to share something that the voice of the Lord has, has shared with them. So it's a hard thing to do. And, and um, we have to be willing ourselves to say, God, don't just, um, don't just show us what to do. But if, if it's so be, use me, 
you know, here am I, send me kind of thing. Show us and and show me, and I am willing to be a, a witness if you were to do this, if, if you need someone to stand up and, and say what you have spoken. And that's a hard thing to do, and we have to be willing to do that as uh, members of the church for the rest of the body. And so um, that's the part that I'm most uh, affected by, is, is I know you feel uh, inadequate. Um, I know you don't feel like, um, and, and you have a concern that no one would believe you, but you can leave that concern. That's for them to decide to believe or not believe. But the, nobody's going to be critical of you for sharing a testimony, even even if it's a hard testimony to share or, or that seems unbelievable. You know, miracles are un- unbelievable. That's what makes them uh, uh, acts of God. And so I, I'm throwing a lot of time together so you can collect yourself because I know that was hard for you to share. But... Um, Jerry, I just want, I'm so thankful that you shared it. I think it's important that people hear it because I think it's a message to the church. And this happened in March of 2020. I'm glad that uh, we are hearing it and, and that we have this uh, added uh, evidence of what God was uh, uh, is saying to the world and to his church and to his people. Um, you said... What, uh, when we were talking about this, you, you said, you, I, I'm as surprised as anyone else <laughs> that that this happened to me. Uh, can you elaborate on that? I mean... Yes, I, I, I do feel like, why would God tell me this? I don't know. I... Uh, I just know he did. I know it's true. And I wasn't reading this in the Bible, and yet I knew when it came that that it was Scripture, that I needed to look it up. But, you know, this unfortunately didn't stop me. Whatever I was doing, I kept going on because I heard this every day for several days one or two lines at a time, over and over. And I knew that it was that I needed to look this up because I knew it was Scripture. And it's Isaiah 26, 20 and 21. And that's my story. <laughs> and we're thankful that you shared it. Thank you, Jerry.